up the Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 13. We're going to go to the word of the Lord. And I am thankful for God's word. His word saves, delivers, and sets free. Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God, and he gave some different perspectives on what it was like. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. If you have it, say amen. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Everybody say goodly pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. He found one pearl of great price. He sold all that he had, and he bought it. There's other places here where it talks about the kingdom of heaven being likened to a net. Different perspectives on what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. But today, I want to talk to you about the pearls. I want to talk to you about the pearl of great price. The pearl of great price. God bless you. You can... Be seated this morning. <clears throat> Jesus tried to tell them what, what the kingdom of heaven was going to be like. I don't think that he could ever show us completely the kingdom of heaven because I don't think we could handle it. Moses wanted to see the glory of God, but God told him that no man can see my glory and live. So he placed him in a place, in a position, hid him in a cleft of a rock and let his glory pass in front of him and he covered him with his hand that he would not be destroyed by the glory of the Lord. And he saw the hinder parts of that glory. And from that small exposure... His face glowed to where people couldn't stand to look at it. So I read here where Jesus, instead of just opening up heaven and showing them exactly what heaven would be like and exactly what the glory of God would be like, he said, it is like unto this. I'm going to make it to where you can understand it. Sometimes when you sit down and you try to teach a child something, one who is not yet mature in knowledge and understanding, you have to kind of tell them what something's like. They don't understand, you know, all the details. If you were to tell them about being sick, they wouldn't understand about the passing of bacteria and sanitation and the destruction of germs and things of that nature. But you can just say it's dirty. And it's like this. It's like that. It's... I remember my mother as a child, trying to teach me to brush my teeth. And I 
was under the impression that brushing my teeth was an option. <laughs> that it simply was not necessary. Playing basketball, no, that's necessary. Playing in the yard, that's necessary. Brushing my teeth is not on the list of necessities. And she said, honey, it's like if you ate off of dirty plates every time we had dinner. It would be like if mommy never washed the dishes and, and we always use the same dishes and we never wash them. So you have to wash your teeth. Well, I didn't like that picture. And so I picked up a toothbrush and began to learn how to do it when the analogy was made. Jesus here was telling us what it was like. Our little eyeballs can't see the glory. We are frail. Humanity can't take that majesty and that power so he said, it's like this. And he talked, about, he talked about a net. He said, it's like if a, someone throws a net into the water and, and, and pulls fish in. And some of those fish you keep, some of those fish you don't keep. You have to throw away the ones you can't keep. And that's the way the kingdom of God's going to be like. It, there's a whole lot of people going to get taken in the net. Some get thrown away. In other words, some fall away, some backslide, some walk away. They, you don't keep those. The master doesn't keep those, but some you do. So it's like a net. And then he said it's like a treasure hid in a field. And he made reference to the hidden nature of it. It's not on the surface. It's underneath the surface. You've got to dig a little bit if you're going to find the kingdom of God. You're going to have to dig into the scripture a little bit. Dig into the word. Uncover that truth. And it's a, it's a, it's a treasure. And it's like one hid in a field. and <clears throat> That's it. And, and then he made reference to what it would cost. He said he went and sold all that he had that he might buy that field. So it's going to cost you everything you have. It's going to be like this. So he's talking about the kingdom of God. It's going to be like this. It's going to be like that. And I understand about treasures hid in field. I understand about nets. But then he said it's going to be like a pearl. That one caught my attention. I've skimmed over it many times. Why would he make mention of pearl? Because you have to understand in Scripture that where pearls come from and how the Jews felt about them. The Jews didn't like pearls. That was not something that was on their list of goodly treasures to have it was understood that they were valuable it was valuable there was silver there was gold there was brass there was all manner of precious metals and treasures coins and things of that nature but pearls were different because pearls came from a source that the jews considered unclean in the old testament if you take the time go back and learn about it they were not allowed to eat certain things under the old covenant um, they were not allowed to have pork. They were not allowed to uh, eat of the birds that did not fly. Chicken would be considered unclean. Turkey would be considered unclean. And so there were certain things that were unclean. Part of that was lobster, shrimp, and oysters. So the pearl and the idea of the pearl to the Jewish mind, it, when he said it's like a pearl, of great price it set them back because this was not an accepted idea uh, why wouldn't it be likened unto gold or likened unto silver 
Why would Jesus say that heaven is going to be likened unto a pearl? Reading uh, an article not too long ago, I read about the pearl and how it's formed, and it's very interesting. I'm not going to go into National Geographic here, people, but I, I do want to lay a little bit of a foundation because this is what heaven's going to be like. You and I sometimes view the kingdom of God as this great treasure, and yes, it is a great treasure, but it's maybe not going to be the kind of treasure you think it's going to be. Uh, Jesus many times would throw what you might consider to be a curveball at people. Just when you think you've got it all together, Jesus would throw something to let you know that you don't have it all together. Just the very fact that we think we've got it all together is a bad thing. One thing that we need to understand here today is nobody has it all together. It's by His grace that I stand. My position and my status and what I've accomplished doesn't mean a thing. I depend on Him for every breath I take. I rely upon Him for the beating of the, my heart and the blood through my body. I rely on Him for His Spirit that's in this place. And before I get too lifted up, I need to realize that He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And right when I think I've got this thing figured out, I realize that He's the one that has it figured out. Those things that I consider valuable, He doesn't consider valuable. And things that He thinks are valuable, we just throw by the wayside. I remember reading, here's an example of the curveball he would throw. I, I, I read about the, um, the man who was on the side of the road, and, and he had been robbed and left naked and half dead. And so uh, a priest came by, and surely the priest would help. These were men of God, ordained by God, and they were there to save people and to deliver people. But the Bible says that the priest passed by on the other side. Some people think that it's because the priest didn't care or because he was too busy going where he was going. Did you know it's impossible that it, it is, it's maybe possible that perhaps the priest thought he was dead and couldn't touch an unclean body? It's possible it conflicted with Jewish law. I don't know the reason. The Bible doesn't say the reason. It just says that he passed by on the other side and he left him there. And so the one you would think would help did not help. And so then comes a Levite, a Levite one of the chosen uh, a tribe, and surely this man will help. He has been ordained of God. He's been anointed by God to, to lead people, to save people. But the Levite saw him, and the Bible says, pass by on the other side. I'm so glad God's willing to go to the other side to pick me up. People get in their own sides, you see. They get in their sides, and and there's sides of town people live on. And there's certain stores that certain sides shop at. And some people don't like to go with other people because they're not on their side. Hallelujah. Some people look at our church and say, you know, it's on the wrong side of town. But the Bible says that this guy, this, this man, he was laying on the other side. Sometimes you've got to go to the other side to meet the need. And this man, there came a Samaritan. Now that was the curveball. Because, because the Samaritans, they weren't considered acceptable. They weren't considered good or precious or right or any type of salvation. But what Jesus was saying was your salvation will come from an area you don't think it will. It's going to come from an angle you're not expecting it to come from. And the Samaritan walked over there and he picked him up. And he placed him on his donkey. He took him to an inn. He bound his wounds. He anointed him. He cleansed him, washed him. And then he paid for his hotel room bill and says, if he owes anything else when I come back, I'll take care of it. 
Hallelujah. That's a shadow and type of Jesus Christ. And he's going to come in a way you don't think he's going to come. He's going to come in a way that goes against your traditions and against your values and against all the socially acceptable ideas that you have in our mind. Just when you think you got it together, he shows you that he has another plan in mind. And so the Samaritan is much like the pearl. It's going to come in a way you don't think it's going to come. When Jesus was born, he came in a very different way than they thought he would come. And so now we're back to the pearl and what the pearl represents because the pearl was not considered clean, kosher, right, or good. It was a treasure, but it was not their preferred means of treasure. They would rather have another kind because it touched and it came from something unclean. It came from shellfish. It came from something that was considered not right. So I opened up a little book and I began to read a little bit about a pearl and I found out a little bit about it. The way pearls are formed. Pearls start with a grain of sand. It starts with some foreign object. An object that is not supposed to be there. Somehow gets put into the oyster. It washes in or somehow it gets inside of the oyster. And the oyster... It doesn't have claws. It doesn't have little oyster legs. It, it doesn't have appendages with which they can grab or, or to dislodge it or to get it out. Or it can't throw out or push it out in any way. It just has to let it stay there. It has no defense mechanism. It can't get out the sand. And the sand is actually an irritant. It's actually something not supposed to be there. And let me tell you, that's what the kingdom of God is much like. There are people here today, there have been things placed in your life that you wish were not there. You wish they were not like they are. You would like to get rid of them, but you can't get rid of them. I'm talking to people, things happen to you in your life that you wish you could go back and erase, but you can't erase them. They are there. They are there, and there's nothing you can do about the fact that they're there. There are problems you're facing right now that are beyond your ability. You've tried to cast them off. They won't leave. There are people that go home to situations that they wish were different, and they come to church, and they pray, and they say, God, I need you to deliver me from this problem. Fix those people at home. Fix my family. Fix my children. Fix my husband. Fix my wife. Do that and do this and do that and do this. But I, let me help you out this morning about how God works. God many times isn't going to simply work on the people in your life. God's going to work on you. God deals with you. So many times you want to fix everybody else. You want to remove the irritant. But God doesn't do that. He never has done that. He always puts the focus on you. Instead of you talking about God fixing everybody around you, why don't you start focusing on how you're going to deal with what's already in your life? How am I going to respond to this situation? How am I going to fix this problem? How can I treat this to where I can survive? Because the problem's not going anywhere. It's not leaving. It's not changing. I, I can't get it out of my life. So God, it, Jesus taught it this way. He said, you know, there are people that come, they want to come and remove the speck in their brother's eye. There's this outward fixing everybody else thing that we got going on. We always want to fix everybody else. We like to blame people. We like to throw our blame on people. Jesus doesn't do that. He says, fix yourself. You deal with what's inside you. 
how you deal. Instead of trying to fix that person's bad attitude, you've got to learn to respond properly to that bad attitude. Instead of fixing that person's uh, way of life, you have to find out how you're going to respond to that person's way of life. Don't try to fix every problem that comes in your life. You look at yourself. You make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. When the temptation comes to fix your neighbor, you move the beam that's in your own eye first. And you examine yourself. Maybe the problem is with me. Maybe the problem is in my life. Maybe I've got to deal with this another way. There is a forced inspection of your own life that God begins to bring. And instead, those people, that's God's business. But your life, that's your business. You have control over your life. And so what the oyster did, the article said, was it, it secretes a certain chemical that puts a coating on the grain of sand. It becomes, this, it's, a, it's a calcifying, pearlizing, whatever it is, there's a small coat that takes off the sharp edges of that. I have found that there are things in my life I can't change. There are things that happened in the past. I wish that I could take an eraser and just... You know, sometimes you wake up in the morning and they're there. And you go to bed at night and they're there. There are things that happen with your children. There are things that happen in your marriage. There are things that happen in your family. Things that happen on the job. And some things are so bad that they leave lasting, lasting, lasting scars. And, and I, I wish that the kingdom of God was filled with people that had no problems. But in this building, as I preach these words, there are people that have been victims of divorce. And there are people that have had children that they've lost. And there are people that have had encounters in the past and abuses and molestations. And, and, and some people have been victims and some people have been the victimizers. The ones who were the predators. And, and there's all kinds of people here today that have been involved in that. And that's the people that come to God. And so Jesus said, it's not going to be exactly like you think it is. It's going to be like a pearl. And now you have to understand the mystery of the pearl before you can understand what he's trying to say to me. And so... I take this problem. It's not going anywhere. I can't get it out. I can't cast it out. I can't push it out. It's there. Every day it's there. Every night it's there. Haunts me in my dreams. It affects how I speak to people. There are people because they've been so hurt now that they don't trust anybody. They can't get into a relationship any longer because they are hurt. And they're, they're saying to themselves, before you get a chance to hurt me, I will hurt you. I will push you away. I will fight you. And, and the bitterness and anger and, and the sharp, cynical eyes of people that have seen it all, done it all, experienced it all. And now there is no love. There is no joy. There is no compassion. Jesus said it doesn't have to be like that. There is a dealing with your problem that takes off the sharp edges. And you simply begin to pray about situations. God, I need your strength in dealing with this. This hurts me. This irritates me. This is down deep inside and I can't get it out. And I need you to work on me. I need your grace. I need your help. And you begin to pray. And as you begin to pray, God begins to help you deal with that situation. I'm not saying that it becomes perfect overnight. See, pearls aren't made overnight. 
They're not made overnight. They're actually, there's quite a bit of time involved with it. It takes years. It takes decades. And as time passes, a coat of that secretion is placed over that grain of sand. Tiny, you can't even tell. And months pass, weeks pass, and you just keep on coating. And you keep on coating. Let me talk to you about continually coating your problems with prayer. And continuing to cover them with the blood of Jesus Christ. And continuing to read the Word of God about men and women who went through the same problems you went through. Face things that, that you have faced. Let me tell you about David, about how one day he got the idea to number the people. And he got this great idea, I'm going to number the people. And God knew his spirit. His spirit was, I want to see how great I am. I want to see how great the kingdom is that I have uh, created. And so God said, I don't want you to number that kingdom, but yet David numbered it anyway. And because he did that, God gave him a list of punishments that he could choose from uh, as, as far as something taking place. And I can't remember off the top of my head what those punishments were. It was uh, months of something or years of something, maybe famine, months of disease, or three days of some other kind of tragedy. And finally, uh, David said, let me fall into the hands of God because he is merciful. I don't want the hand of man to be against me. And David had to live with the fact that innocent people died because of a mistake that the king made. Let me tell you something, that can leave a scar that is so terrible that can I can't imagine how David dealt with the fact that Uriah died because of a sin that he had committed and he was responsible he was at fault and an innocent man lost his life but now it's there and he has to live with the knowledge of it every day that he lives and and then yes God forgives and yes God helps and gives power to overcome but I still have to live with the fact of what I did and so he began to pray and you can begin to pray and begin to call on the the name of God. And I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but I'm saying that God can begin to work on you. And you begin to cope that thing. You walk into... Why do you think I continually walk into a prayer room? I'm coding it again. I walk into a sanctuary. I'm coding it again. I walk into a place of worship every service. Sunday morning, Sunday night, I'm laying coats of prayer and coats of worship and coats of thanksgiving unto God. I've got this problem, see? I have a child that won't serve God. I have a wife that won't serve God. I have a husband that won't serve God. I've got things that I've done. There, there are people that have gotten involved in lifestyles and have contracted diseases because of promiscuity. And God forgives, but the disease stays. What am I going to do? You're going to pray. And you're going to work on your heart. And I'm talking about where people really live this morning. We don't live in a perfect world, do we? We live in a world that is filled with heartache and filled with tragedy. Oh, but God said that the kingdom of God would be likened to a pearl. How can it be likened to a pearl? You begin to coat that thing, that, that irritant, that problem that you can't get rid of. You begin to deal with it. The only way you can, you pray. You pray. Time passes. And the sharp edges of that problem, they aren't so sharp as time passes. God begins to remove the pain just a little bit at a time. I'm not saying this it can still be a dull ache when the thought comes back into your mind. But instead of allowing that problem to destroy you, you begin to live with that problem. 
and how you respond to the problem is, is how you're going to make it. You can sit there and let that problem destroy you. You can sit there and get bitter about your circumstances. You can sit there and say, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. I just might as well go ahead and give up. Or you can begin to deal with it the best way you know how. Hallelujah. You don't let your problems become your death sentence. You turn them into something beautiful. You turn them into something right. You turn them into something that... I don't know if anybody's hearing what I'm saying today. He didn't call it gold. He didn't call it silver. He called it a pearl. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. So, now I have a... Here, i give you a very quick example. The financial pressure that is on some people right now is very difficult. South Florida, recession, finances are tight. Everybody's tightening up. They're trying to make it. Money's not flowing. Building industry falling apart. It is hard. Difficult time. Fear sets in. And worry sets in. And, and, and uh, oh God, what am I going to do? And difficult times come and, and you can't get rid of it. There are people, hey, there's nothing worse than getting stuck in a situation that you can't get out of. There are people that have made financial agreements. Now they've got to live up to those financial agreements. But the economy's not like it was when they made those financial agreements. And, and now I've got a problem. Now, and it, well, it's not going anywhere. See, bills keep on coming. Every month they come. You can almost pinpoint the day. You don't want to go to the mailbox anymore. Please, 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 let them have forgotten me. You open up the mailbox, and there it is with your name on it. The only mail I get is bills. I like those handwritten messages. You ever see those handwritten? Somebody's handwriting. I like those. See, that's somebody that ain't too sophisticated. That's somebody that loves me, that little handwriting. The other day, we got a bill, and it was in handwriting. I don't like that. See? That's tricky. That's sneaky. That's nasty. See, I'm thinking birthday card. I'm thinking congratulations. I'm thinking I miss you. Some telemarketer, some bill collector, some credit card company figured out that I like opening those up. I open it up and it's another stinking bill. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Those bills come and they don't stop. You agreed to 30 years and you're one year into it and crying. God help me. I'm talking about things you can't get rid of. Things that are locked into your life. You've got to learn how to deal with those things. So he called it a pearl. Hallelujah. I, I, the church is not filled with people that have it all together. It's people that have taken their problems and have begun to beautify them. You deal with that problem the best way you can. There are people here, you've been wounded, you've been hurt, and you might come into church limping, but you're coming into church anyway. You might come into church with, with parts of your life that are scarred, but you're coming to church anyway. I'm just dealing with the problem as best I know how. I, I, I told the class this morning, Jesus said it's better for you to go into heaven missing one eye than it is to go into hell with both of your eyes intact. Sometimes you're wounded, sometimes you're hurt, but you've got to just get in there and lift your hands again. Raise. There is hope, there is peace, there is joy, there is love. The righteous will make it.
But you gotta stay there. You gotta let God work. And the funny thing happens. Funny things happen when you stay with Jesus. Because that which used to destroy you becomes beautiful. I'm talking about people that have had things happen that it changed from your tragedy to your testimony. Let me say that again. I don't want that to fly over your head. You change your tragedy into a testimony. <laughs> I, I was reading the other day about Paul, and he was talking to people about sacrifice and paying the price. And friend, this pearl, the Bible says it was of great price. <laughs> that great price doesn't necessarily mean the person buying it. Sometimes it means you. If you want it, you've got to sell out. It costs a lot. There are people here that are serving the Lord, and, and you don't know the price they've paid. Yo, you look around and see the treasures that they have, all kind of pearls, but you don't know what that pearl started out as. So I read where Paul, you know, you, 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 if you read the book of Acts, you'll read where Paul was stoned. I read where he was stoned. They pulled him outside the city and left him for dead. And then he sat up and kept on preaching. They took him and they beat him. They, you know, they beat Jesus with 39 stripes. They beat Paul four times with 39 stripes. What they did to Jesus, they did to Paul four times. People skip over that scripture and he doesn't really mention it. He doesn't even talk about it. But there he is. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was beaten. All of these things. And, I, I, and when you read it in the book of Acts, it's life-ending. It's, it's amazing. I can't believe the trials this man came through. And yet here he is encouraging Timothy. I went home to see my grandmother one time. There, 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 there's a trait that, that, that we need to get. We need to realize that God is our strength. And, and when He's our strength and when He's our supply, the people that are in the worst trials wind up comforting other people. I went home to see my grandmother, and she was dying of, of brain cancer. She was dying, and, and she had a couple of weeks left. I flew home just to see her. And when I walked in there, I walked in to, to lift her spirits and to encourage her. And I was going through a difficult time myself personally at the time. And I walked in there with a smile on my face, and I sat down, and it was so sad to see her there. She had physically wasted away. But she looked at me, and she turned on a 100-watt megawatt smile and began to talk to me about the goodness of the Lord and began to talk to me about the grace of God. And began to talk to me about holding fast the faith. And, and I, I said, well, Grandma, you know, it looks like things are tough. She shushed me up and said, you don't talk about me, honey. I know where I'm going. Let me tell you, you keep your head up, baby. You continue to worship the Lord. You love that little wife of yours. You love your children. You preach the truth. And I mean, she began to encourage me in the grace of God. And I walked out of there with tears in my eyes saying, what kind of a man am I? I come in here and I think I'm going to do it. And this woman has cancer. And she's lifting me up and encouraging me and helping me and the person who's been through it and looks like they would be down at the bottom is actually at the top and how can you survive like that how can you have that kind of faith Paul told Timothy don't you give up don't you give up you keep your head up to you haven't gone through anything Timothy but I'm the one that's gone through it and I'm telling you don't give up you would think they would need the comfort you would think they would need the compassion you would think they would need the mercy but they tapped into something that we need to tap into. God is great. His grace is enough. I'm talking about pearls. I, 
There are people here tonight, if I let them come into this platform and they told you what happened in their life, you'd cry. You would be torn to pieces by what they said. You would weep at the tragedy that they have gone through. And they come in here with upraised hands. And they cry tears of joy. And they talk about the goodness of the Lord. What are you doing? I'm just making my irritant into something valuable. You can let this thing destroy you, or you can take it and learn from it and turn it into a positive. Reading in the book of Philippians, Paul was in prison, and he said, I am in prison, I am in bonds. And he said, there are people here that are preaching about Jesus Christ. Some of them preach it sincerely. Some of them preach it out of contention. And they just want to add more problems to me. But you know what? Whether they preach it out of contention or out of sincerity, Jesus is still being preached. And I'm just happy Jesus is being preached. I'm happy that he's being preached. And he said, I know that this will turn to my salvation. I know it looks bad, but I know that Romans is said, all things work together for the good. God's not trying to kill you. He's trying to put pearls in your life. How are you going to respond to what's going on in your life? Don't you give up. Don't you throw in the towel. You deal with what's in your life. You deal with that unsafe spouse. You deal with that problem on the job. You deal with your children. You deal with your finances. You deal with those things that aren't going anywhere. I'm talking about pearls. See, you didn't know that this thing was about pearls. You thought it was about everything being all right. It's about coping. It's about making it in spite of. It's about looking at the positive instead of the negative. It's about taking the sin and covering it by the blood of Jesus. It's about getting back up after you've fallen down and saying, God will give me grace. Hallelujah. It's about coming to church when you don't feel like it in your flesh. Hallelujah. It's about getting on your knees when you can be doing other things. I'm talking about making pearls. You want to know what it's like? That's what it's like. Hallelujah. Now there are some people that they just, they have no clue the cost that it has been to build this church. They have no clue what you've been through. They don't have, and they'll judge you. They'll judge you like that. They'll dismiss you, say you don't know nothing. You've never been through anything. But friend, I've got pearls. I've got pearls you don't know about. I've got problems that have happened to me. You've got problems that have happened to you. And they are of great value. And, and you've got to figure out who you're talking to and just realize who they are. You can share those pearls with people that appreciate it. But Jesus turned around one day and said, be careful about the pigs that have no idea about the pearls. And you don't cast your pearls before them because they have no idea what you've done. No idea where you've been. Don't you feel bad if they don't appreciate it? They're the pigs. There are people that walk in and say, it's just a little church full of people and Whatever. I got things to do. And they trample the pearls underneath their feet. Oh, but the man who can appreciate the pearl is one that you can share it with. There's some testimonies here today that would lift you up and make you say, thank you, Jesus. 
He made it, and I can make it. She made it, and I can make it. Hallelujah. Some of you have a pearl. Some of you have a pearl of great price. Some of you have so many problems, you've got a pearl necklace. <laughs> I mean, you have so many pearls. <laughs> I'm talking about people that, that make it through, no matter what's happening in their life. He said it wouldn't be easy. I read where you've got to go through tribulation, where you'll go through heartache. You read Matthew 24, it said people would betray you. People would say all manner of evil against you for my sake. As a pastor, sometimes people walk away and they tell me I did everything wrong. And I walk into a prayer room and I kneel down and say, God, what more could I have done? And I've got to take that irritant and i just got to begin to coat it with the Word of God. And cover it with prayer. And years pass. And it gets bigger. And it gets bigger. Finally somebody walks up and says, Pastor Urshan, you know so much. How could you know it? Because I've been there. I have felt it. And some things I haven't actually been there. But I've got better men than me who handed me pearls. And said, you learn from it like this. You don't actually have to get AIDS to find out how not to get AIDS. Somebody can teach you before you ever contract it. I got treasures handed down from my great-grandfather and my grandfather and my father and my father-in-law. And they are sitting on shelves in my life. I will never go through that problem because somebody showed me the pain that it would cause. Listen, I know things cause you pain. I know things hurt. Things are devastating. But God can turn them into treasures. I'm not going to preach too much longer. I don't want to take up too much time this morning. I don't want you to put you to sleep. But, but let me say this. You won't get to heaven until you've gone through some things. Living in this world, you're going to go through some things. And if you think that you're going to have a guilt-free, no-hitch, rosy life after you come in the church then you ain't going to last. It never said that. It said that what does happen, He'll give you the grace to get through it. He never said that you wouldn't go through a valley. David said, though I walk through that valley, thou art with me. He just promised He'd be with you. He never said that you, you wouldn't go through a storm. He just said that if you ever were in a boat and you were in a storm, that He'd be in there with you. And He could calm that storm. He will give you the grace to handle the situation that you have. You will not go to heaven if you try to get out of every problem. If you try to get out of rebuke, if you try to get out of correction from a pastor, if you try to get out of spiritual warfare, you're going to have to fight if you're going to have to get in over there. If you want to make it into heaven, you're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to sacrifice. I, Jesus said, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. You will through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You, this heaven is not going to be filled with people who have never encountered anything. There, you know what amuses me sometimes is people come in and they say, I can't talk to that pastor because he wouldn't understand. That's like saying, I can't go to that doctor because he's never seen my sickness. Baby, we study your sickness. That's what doctors do. And that's what preachers do. You don't hide the sickness from the doctor. He studied it for 20 years. So that when you come in, there's nobody better equipped to deal with that sickness. 
And when you come into the church, the tendency is to want to hide from the man of God or saints of God. But we are people that have conquered those things already. And there's no better person to come and talk to because we can give you the antidote. Hallelujah. It was the Samaritan that came that had the oil and the wine in his bags to disinfect and clean the wound and bind it back together. You don't hide from the people that have the medicine. You open up to them and realize that everybody's been through this. And you're not going to get in there unless you fix that. Oh, the church is filled with people that don't understand it's a bunch of goody-two-shoes. This ain't goody-two-shoes. These are broken, ugly, dirty people that have crawled up out of the mud and said, God, have mercy on me. He washed us off and cleansed us. And now we're looking back saying, come on in. You can do it too. Get your hands up. The church isn't perfect. The church is limping along until we get there. Hallelujah. Heaven's going to be filled with people, the Bible said, that overcame. They wear white robes. And those white robes, John said, who are they? He said, these are they that came out of great tribulation. And they have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. These are people that have overcome. Well, in order to overcome, you had to overcome something. I like what John said. He gave a description. When he talked about the streets, he said they were going to be made out of gold. They're going to be made out of gold. Some people need to get gold underneath their feet. Hope you catch that. They need to get ornamentation underneath their feet. You walk on it. He talked about walls. And he said they were walls of jasper. And he gave all descriptions of all these different stones and all these different things. He talked about the foundation. And Jesus Christ was the head cornerstone. And, 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 and the apostles' names were written in that foundation. And it gave a description of heaven. And, and oh, it's beautiful. He talks about all these precious stones. But when he talks about going in, he talked about the gates. And he didn't say they were golden gates. You'll find that in San Francisco at the bridge. You'll find a golden gate. He didn't say they were silver. He didn't talk about that. He didn't say that they were made out of all those different stones. He said they were 12 gates. And the people would come into those gates. And when he gave a description, he said they were gates of pearl. If you want to get into that place, you're going to have to go through a doorway of people that have made it through. People that have taken their problems and have overcome those problems. Have made them beautiful. They are pearly gates. They are gates where people walk through with things underneath their feet. With sin overcome. Where trials have been cast down. Where they tread on serpents and scorpions. You're going to get in through gates of pearl. Stand with me this morning. I'm talking about a pearl of great price. I'm talking about problems that you don't know what to do with them. You have no idea how to fix them. No idea how to come to some kind of a, an answer. You just simply get your hands in the air and let Jesus begin to turn them into something better than they are. Mistakes you made, you can't undo them. But Jesus can forgive you. 
the blood can cover them. And you can move on from that and let it be a great treasure in your life. You'll take those pearls one day and you'll tell your children, listen to me. When Solomon was talking in the book of Proverbs, he said, My son, incline your ear unto my lips. For I, my lips, drip with treasure. I will give unto you treasures. I will give unto you spiritual treasures that you will be enriched by them. Wisdom that is above silver, that is above gold. You will take those pearls and you will give them to your children. And you will give them the new people. This is how we overcame. This is how we got in. You make it. You survive. You let Jesus work in your life. I know they've happened to you. I know terrible things happen. And they'll continue to happen as long as you're in this old world. But he said it was like a pearl. God took something out of an unclean source and made it beautiful. I, I, I read where... Cornelius, Peter didn't want to go to him. He said, no, 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 unclean, unclean, dirty. No, oh, no, can't go. And the way that God showed it to him, he showed him a sheet let down with creeping things and unclean animals. He said, arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. Nothing unclean's ever passed my lips, and I've never eaten it. And, and God said, what I have cleansed, don't call common, don't call it unclean. There's some people here tonight, you might have come out of some unclean situations. God's kingdom would be like a pearl. Out of the dirty, out of the filthy, out of the unkosher, out of that which is not good, something beautiful comes. And it's a great price. Now you are people here. You're seeking goodly pearls. You're looking for goodly pearls. <laughs> when you find this, when you find this truth, this kingdom of God, it's not some perfect, beautiful situation. The church is filled with people with problems, but that's what pearls are. They're beautiful things with problems at the center of them that have been made beautiful by, by the help of God, by people that had no other choice. Let's raise our hearts with our hands. Let's open up ourselves to God. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. But I know that whatever is happening in your life, He can make something good out of it. Sometimes it's like a net. Sometimes it's like a treasure in a field. But I want to talk to you about a pearl. I can't do anything with what I've done, Jesus. I have to live with what I've been, where I've gone, the things I've been involved in. But if you can work on me, if you can help me, if you can make something beautiful out of this, I'm going to open up this altar to somebody. Come up here and begin to deal with that problem. Begin to deal with that thing on the inside. I need you, Jesus. I give you my they are not gates of gold. They are not gates of silver. They are gates of pearl. I live for you. Hallelujah. With every breath that I I'm talking about coming to church despite the irritation. Every moment. 
I'm talking about praying when it feels like your world's falling apart. Hallelujah. What are you doing? I'm dealing with what's inside of me. And I'm trying to make it beautiful by the help and the grace of God. Some people would look down on me. Some people would recoil in horror at what I've done and where I've been. But Jesus said, what I am cleansed, that called not thou coming, nor unclean. Peter! It's like a pearl, it's like a pearl, it's like a pearl. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Jesus. 